All right, so let me ask you a um, let me ask you a question. So, how many of you have ever done something stupid with your money? So, I'm going to raise your hand. Let's be honest. How many of you have ever done something stupid with your money? Okay, if your hand's not raised, it means you're lying in church, and that's a big problem. We'll talk about lying maybe in another series coming up. But we've all done something stupid with our money. My wife is shaking her head, yes, really, at me. So, uh, I mean, that's pretty much everyone uh, in the room. Um, and, and for those who are online, we, we believe you're raising your hand as well. And, you know, nobody's batting a thousand when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to money. You know, for some reason, it seems everyone's hesitant to sort of fess up. But the truth is we can all benefit from a solid uh, financial wisdom. And, uh, in fact, this wisdom was more valuable than actual finances. The wisdom is actually more valuable than the finances. Look at this verse, and we're going to be in several different verses uh, throughout uh, today's passage, but this one right here is in Proverbs 16, 19. It simply says this, how much better to get wisdom than gold to good insight rather than silver? So how much better to get wisdom than gold to get insight rather than silver? If you want to put that in today's terms, how, how much better is to get wisdom than a raise? Or how much, or, or to get insight, you know, rather than win the lottery or whatever. You put whatever in there. And so, we all know that gold and silver are valuable because they are tangible things. You can, you can actually see that. We can see the difference between having riches and not having riches. It's harder to see the benefits of, of, of wisdom, quite literally, because wisdom isn't a tangible thing. You don't open up your, 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 your cabinets and say, all right, where's that wisdom container, all right? Where, I, I know I had that somewhere, and then you just sort of, like pixie dust, just put it on, on you and let it just sprinkle, you know? If that was the case, man, I, I would, if I could figure that out, I would sell it, and I'd make a, a lot of money, but wisdom's not like that. We can't pick it up at Target. No one's ads advertising a buy one, get one free on wisdom, and yet we're told here that when it comes to valuable things, it's far much better to have wisdom than other types of wealth. So why is that? Why is wisdom better? So wisdom is a combination of knowledge and understanding. So I'm going to make sure you get this. Wisdom is a combination of knowledge and understanding. It's not just knowing something. It's understanding how to use that knowledge. It's not just knowing something. It's not just the knowledge. But it's all about how to use that knowledge. That is understanding. When you combine the know-how of, of what it is and then how to use it, that is wisdom. Wisdom is important in all areas of our lives. When we seek to not only learn about something but truly understand it, that is when we act out on wisdom. Think about it, in, for an example, in, in your relationships, uh, people in your life. You know, people in your life, some of the most important people, you, you get to know them, and then you really get to understand them. Now, I know some guys in this room is like, you know, I still haven't understood my wife, you know, and, and we have marriage counseling um, set up, you know, we can help you with that. And there are, there are days that I'm like, hmm, scratching my head, and she's probably doing the same thing for me. But when you, when you really walk in wisdom and relationships, you have knowledge, you know the person, but then you understand them. It's the same way with money. Money is no different. It requires time and effort to not only know how to manage your money wisely, 
but to understand the benefits of that wisdom. This is why having wisdom is, is actually more important than having riches. If you have wisdom, you'll minimize your losses and maximize every gain. So, we don't always think of money in sort of a spiritual thing. Because we think of money as something that's really separate than, than our, our spiritual life. I mean, you probably don't sit down with your quiet time, read the Bible and your prayer journal and, and, and your checkbook at the same time. And I mean, some of you may do that. But we don't really consider it as something that is, that is spiritual. We, we really try to, try to keep that separate. We think if we're going to avoid that trap of, of, of loving money, as the Bible says, then, then we need to ignore it as much as possible. Have you ever avoided doing something that you believe will be unpleasant? Think about this. Maybe there's a doctor appointment that you're just not really looking forward to. And you're just, you're just ignoring it. Or maybe, maybe there's, there's a, a conversation that you need to have with someone. And it's going to be a very difficult conversation. And you just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Why? Because it's going to be unpleasant. We don't like to face those things. The same thing with our money as well. We don't want to look at our checkbook. We don't want to open up our, our checking account on our app. We open it up and just like, oh, I don't know, and just kind of look through there. Be like, ah, or like freak out zone or whatever. We, we sort of do our best to try to avoid it as, all, as much as possible. But the problem with that <laughs> is that the more we avoid something like that, the more that we ignore it, the more power it has over us. The more that we avoid something, or the more that we ignore it, the more powerful it is, and the more power it has over us. When we stop ignoring the things we perceive as, as unpleasant, they actually lose a great deal of power of our minds and emotions. It's, it's, it's very simple. Like when a kid, when, uh, when, when you're lying in bed under covers and, and, and that closet door is just kind of cracked just enough to where you can kind of see maybe a person's head kind of, you know, between the door, you know, and the door jam and, and you're looking at it and you're afraid. And so you're, you, don't, you just want to ignore it. So you just put, you know, covers over your head, but the fear is still there. That, that person, that being is still in your closet. So what's the best way to, to relieve that fear? Run quickly to the light and turn on the light and look in the closet. Oh, well, it's just my hat that fell from the shelf. And it's just caught between the door and the door jam. It looks just like a person standing there. Oh, that's no big deal. And you go and you have a great night's sleep. You know, the same way with our finances. Our finances are in this dark closet. where are just like, oh, it, it, it looks like something that's really, really scary but the way to relieve that power, relieve that fear, is to face it. You know, when we look at Scripture, we see that God does not ignore money. God talks a lot about money. Jesus, do you know Jesus talked more about money than he did love? Let that sink in. He talked more about money than he did about love. Now, you know, the writers of the Gospels mention the word love a lot, especially in the book of John. But as far as 
Jesus quoting love, he quoted more about treasure and about money than he did about love. God is not ignoring it. God's flipping on the lights. He's like, hey, let's talk about it. Because guess what? You're going to need it. So that means that he doesn't want us to ignore it. He wants us to understand it. He wants us to use what he teaches us to be wise with our money. That starts by learning and increasing our knowledge. So look at this verse in Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. We're going to be in Proverbs pretty much most of the, most of the morning, but in this verse right here, it's one of my favorite verses. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That renewing of our mind Learning and understanding what God has given us is what will help guide us to make wiser choices in our lives and in our finances. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and you will be able to understand how God wants to use our finances. So today, we're gonna talk about three wise financial habits. So we're talking about wisdom and money. Again, wisdom, knowledge, Understanding, knowing it, and then knowing how it works. That's wisdom. Knowing it, knowing how it works. Today, we're going to talk about three biblical principles about wise financial habits. We're going to seek God's wisdom about money. So the first financial habit, if you're taking notes, is simply this. Make a plan. <laughs> Make a plan. Oh, some of us, some of us don't like plans. We just like to just free float through life. We don't need a plan. We don't need a plan. Now, I'm a planner. Now, when it comes to finances, I'm not that great much of a planner. Sometimes, sometimes I'm that little kid, you know, in the covers, and I'm like, ah, I don't know, you know. But, but the, the first thing, financial wisdom, is, is to make a plan. As we talked about last week, there are a lot of reasons why we spend our money unwisely. The impulse to spend money when we don't really need it is, is, is hard to break. And we talked about understanding how much we really need and how to be content with that. We talked about that last week. You can go listen to that. But if we're ever going to be wise with our money, we need to start by actually controlling where our money goes. If we're going to be wise with our money, we've got to be able to have a plan on how to control where our money goes. Look at this in Proverbs 21.5. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Have you ever bought anything out of impulse or haste? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm raising mine. Have you ever bought anything out of impulse or haste? I have. But the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste, haste leads to poverty. The first idea is planning. Simply put, we need to not ignore our finances. We need to plan. Something about that term financial plan could make some of us sort of, sort of cringe a little bit. It sounds like a combination of math quizzes and expense reports and, and spreadsheets and, and all this stuff. But, but what's, what's really holding us back? What's really holding us back? Let me ask you a question. 
What is one or two things that you've always dreamed about in your life? One or two things you've always dreamed about in your life, meaning like maybe you, you want to go somewhere, you want to visit somewhere, maybe you and your family, maybe there's something, you know, that you want, that you, that you, that you desire. And I'm really kind of talking about maybe things that, that, that God has kind of put, put in your heart to, uh, to, to go. And there are, certain, um, there are certain destinations that our family has gone and, and we, we, we traveled a good distance. And we were able to, to go and, and experience, and, and we try to cut as many uh, corners uh, uh, you know, for, for funding and raising funds for that. We, we would drive instead of fly, even though it's more than halfway across the United States. Or we would you know, make bologna sandwiches rather than eating out. Or we'll stay in you know, like a, a mission place or, or a, the cheapest hotel we possibly could that one, you know, is not covered with roaches, you know. Obviously, there's a fine line there, you know. Mama has certain standards, of course. But also, so we, we, we try our, our best to do those things. But, but those, those sort of trips began with sort of a dream, something that we would want to do, a destination. So... What have you always dreamed about in your life, but you haven't yet accomplished it? You haven't yet accomplished it. It could be very personal or something with your, with your family. So what is stopping you from doing it? What is stopping you from doing it? What is holding you back? What do you need before you can make the dream a reality? And for most of us, we let money be that block. We let money be the thing that is holding us back. We think, when I have money, I will be able to see that place that I've always dreamed about or go on that mission trip or whatever. While we don't want money to be the answer to our problems, as we talked about last week, we also don't want it to be the barrier to what we are called to do. Those things that God is calling us to do with our life. And that dream, maybe your dream is to start a business. That's scary. Yeah. It's like scary, it's like scary, like starting a church. <laughs> I know. But God put you that dream. And it could be just a small business. But he's like, well, I just, I just don't have the, I just don't have the capital for that. I don't have the, the finances for that. And, and while we don't want money to be the answer for everything, if, if God's put that inside your heart, then, then you don't need to let money be the barrier for that. There are people sitting here today who have started their own businesses. For an example, there's lots of different things that God could be calling you to. So we want to have faith that God has given us his dreams for a reason, and we want to be good stewards and to make those dreams a reality. Now, obviously, we need to make sure that all, the, the dreams we have are from the Lord, right? Dreams you have are from the Lord. Lord, I really want to build a huge 5,000-square-foot log cabin in the, in the mountains of North Carolina, you know. You may, may want to pray about that. If you have the finances for that, that's great. Just remember your pastor. But pray about it and make sure that they are in alignment. It's all about alignment with what God wants. And the more that you spend time with God, the, the more your, your heart will be aligned to those things. 
It's, it's so amazing that, that our spending is tied, to, it, it is very much spiritual. Our spending is tied with our time with God, with how we understand God. Know God, understand Him. Walk in biblical wisdom. And, and as we do that, we're gonna, when we get ready to spend on something, we think, hmm, does that align with what God's moving in my heart? Does God want to say, what is the reason why I have this sort of desire? And so you want to pray, and you want to align, align yourself with God. Here's a great reminder in Proverbs 16.3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Even little things. Do you know that God cares about the little things? I, I, I think I've mentioned this before. God cares about the little things. We, I'm in the process of actually looking for a boat. <laughs> and it is, oh my goodness, it's crazy. I'm in the process of looking for a boat. And the reason why I'm looking for a boat is because our son Lincoln signed up for the fishing team at Woodland High School. Do you know Woodland High School is a fishing team? And so um, we paid the, the money and, you know, have his, you know, we paid for his uniform and, and everything. And, um, and so, but we, we need to get a boat. And I tell you, it's, it's, it's a, when you only have a certain amount of funds for this, it, it, it's kind of mind-boggling and, and takes a lot of time. And so literally, Suzanne and I, had been praying for wisdom that God would show us what kind of boat we need to get. Now, I w- I'm not in the, I was not in the interest of, of, of trying to get into the boat market. Now, I, I mean, there was no desire for us to get a boat. But my son, it's a great way for us to connect. And it's a great way for maybe our family can go do something. And, and, and obviously, when you have so much budget, you only have so many boats you can look at. And I've looked at a lot, and it just wasn't the right one. Yesterday, I went, I went to the other side of Atlanta, thought I was going to buy this boat. We got out in the middle of the lake. Boat stopped. Engine died. <laughs> We're sitting in the middle of the lake. And I'm sitting there with this gentleman, and he's, he's, he's a single guy, and, and he's... Um, you know, he, he said he kind of had a rough background and stuff. And so we're in the middle of the lake. And, and God put me in the middle of this lake with this man. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting here in this boat. And I said, so, what do you do for a living? <laughs> he said, well, you know, kind of do this and that. And in the trading and all this stuff. And it's kind of a little shady. I was like, all right, well, that's, that's good. And, and he looked at me. He goes, are you a pastor? I was like, yeah. Evidently, he checked me out on Facebook. I was like, yeah, I'm a pastor. And, and so I teared about that. And. And, and he goes, you know, I've had a really, really rough life. A really rough life. He had a gold, a gold cross. And I was like, I was just thinking, okay, what, that cross of gold, do you know what that means, right? And so, you know what he, what he said? Because I asked him in the, in the middle of this lake, I asked him, I was like, so, um, how can I pray for you? And this is what he said. I've never had any, anyone tell me this. I'm sorry, I wouldn't plan on sharing this today. It's not in my notes, so I'm just going off script. But this is what he said yesterday. He said, pray that I would find forgiveness. Whew. It's powerful. That's powerful. Pray that I would find forgiveness. 
So we sat there. We bowed our head. <laughs> this is light in the middle of this boat that's not working. And, and we prayed. And, um, of course, I shared how he can find forgiveness. I'm, I shared the gospel. And then he realizes, you know, I've got a trolling motor that make you get us in, in land. So we did. And that trolling motor just spurting along, you know, get us <laughs> in there. So, so I got to know this guy and prayed for him. And the other day, last week, I went to go see another boat. And it wasn't the right one, you know. But I said, hey, um, you know, tell me your story. He's like, well, the reason I'm selling my boat, I, I asked him, why are you selling your boat? He said, I'm selling my boat because my wife just filed for divorce. And he goes, you know, I grew up in church. In fact, my mom and my dad were, were um, uh, they were managers of a Christian camp growing up. So I grew up in a Christian camp. I used to live in Dallas, Texas. I, hey, I know Dallas. And I used to go to this church. And yeah, I know that church. And I was growing up by faith and I moved here and, 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 and married and got married. And, and it's just, I could just stop and she would have nothing to do with it. I thought that she was really a Christ follower, and she wasn't. And for the past several years, I just haven't been the man that God wants me to be. Open door. I'm like, brother, we need to pray. He said, yes, we do. I walked away, no boat. Yesterday, in the middle of the lake, I walked away. Hey, take that in the shop and call me. No boat. And I'm like, I was, I was driving home. I was like, God, what are you doing? You put this desire in my heart for a boat. I'm just trying to be a fisher of men, right? Fisherman. But I'm, I'm really being more of a fisherman. And he's putting me in these places where I, I have to minister, right? And I was like, I just want a boat. God's like, you'll get a boat. But in the meantime, while you're looking for a boat, I'm putting you in places where you can share my love and share about forgiveness and hope. So, as we're praying for a boat, God's like, it's going to come. So, I don't know. If you have a boat for sale, let me know. <laughs> but God will put those things in your heart. I don't want a boat. I just, I want, I want to hang out with Lincoln. I want to ha hang out with Marion. I want a boat. And God's going to. God's going to allow us to do that. So commit your dreams to him. We see this in Proverbs 16, 9. In your heart, human, uh, in your heart, human uh, plans their course, but the Lord establishes his steps. We just talked about that in the message and in the stories that I just shared. I'm going to plan to go this, but God's going to guide the step. You may think you're going to do this, but guess what? I'm actually going to do this. <laughs> I just, I love it. So there's balance here. Commit to God your dreams and listen for where he's calling you. And then take action and make a plan, trusting that he will guide you. Now, most of us know what good financial practices are. But somehow it is hard to focus on that knowledge when presented with opportunities to make less than wise choices. We're presented with lots of opportunities to make less than wise choices. Yesterday, after I visited that guy, you know what I did? I went to, uh, I went to uh, Cabela's. Oh, Cabela's. Mmm, love me some Cabela's. And I don't, I don't hunt, I don't fish, I don't, I'm, but just walking in there, I was like, man, I feel like a man, right? <laughs> and so I'm walking in Cabela's and I go to the new boats. Mmm, the brand new boats. You know, like, $51,000, 
But it's only $350 a month for the next 20 years. Yeah, literally. You can, you can finance a boat for like 20 years or more. It's crazy. And I'm like, ooh, I could, I could swing that payment. I could do that. And I was like, walk away, Frank. Walk away. And so we have those temptations that are right there in front of us. So how can we, how can we set ourselves up for success how can we make sure that we have a watchful eye on our finances so that we can resist the temptations that are all around us? One of the ways is to have a balance with you know, your spouse. Literally, while I was at Cabela's, I was on my way home. My wife is uh, making dinner, and, and she sees me on Life 360. We just follow each other, and our kids follow. And she says, are you looking at new boats? That was her text to me. <laughs> she knows me. Now, I would not buy a boat without, you know, talking to my wife and, and, and even these used boats, which is obviously what we're going to buy. I just wanted to see, what, what, is, what does a new boat look like, you know? And she's like, are you, look, are you looking at buying a new boat? Like, no, 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 no. I just, I want to talk to this guy, this salesman, and just kind of see what kind of boat brands you can do fishing and skiing. It's kind of a fishing ski boat. And <laughs> so, but, but we got to walk in wisdom and, and to remove those temptations. But here's one simple trick. Remove the temptation to spend more than we should by physically keeping that money apart. And we're about to go to, to I'm about to show you what this looks like. Physically keep that money apart. Physically. That will help with the temptation that we have. So everyone is gonna have a different relationship with money as we discussed a few minutes ago. Some of us are gonna be comfortable with money and some of us not. Some of us have more than enough and others are struggling. No matter where we are, we can work on becoming better managers of the resources that God has given us. We talked about that in week one. So one of the simplest ways to get started is, is, to not, um, is not by developing a spreadsheet and complex budgets. It's simply to have our money fit in three simple categories. Three simple categories. Now, this is actual accounts. These are actual accounts. I'm going to be honest with you. We don't do this. But after preparing for this sermon and and researching and everything, I'm like, I I really like this. So let let me kind of share with you. If you divide your money, actual money, into three separate accounts, into three. Now, there's lots of different ways to manage your money. I'm not saying if you don't do this, you're not following God's plan. You do what God's calling you to do. But this is just, just one idea. So the three categories are, are, the first one is committed. This is money that you already know you've spoken for before you spend a single dollar. It's rent. It's subscriptions. It's, it's utilities. It's, it's even giving. You know, those things that you know that are concrete things that are happening all the time. Like they're, I mean, they're almost the same every week for the most part. I mean, I, we know utility bills kind of fluctuate a little bit. But so the first one is committed. Like, this is committed money. So I'm going to put this in this account. Another account is saving, whether this be for retirement, a down payment, Christmas shopping, even things like a mission trip, whatever. Put this money in a savings account where you can't spend it so easily. You're saving it up. It's good to do that. We all, you know, you kind of know about that. So a separate savings account. But then here's another, and this is really kind of, kind of uh, the, the trick to all of this. It's another account called spendable. 
or your expense account or whatever you want to call it. Have an account to just for money that is available to spend on a day-to-day expenses. It removes much of the stress from, which money, uh, from money decisions. This one simple number clears away so much of the fear that accompanies thinking about money. It can reduce that anxiety we feel when we go to the, uh, look at our checking account. It means this, no more math problems in the checkout line. Trying to remember, okay, which bills have I paid and which are coming due and how much we need for groceries and how much we can offer for gas and all this stuff. You don't, you don't have to worry about that because you know that the other account is for all of those concrete things that are, that are committed. It's your committed funds. Your committed funds, your savings funds, and then your day-to-day sort of, you know, other funds. Like if you go out to lunch for, um, go out to lunch and, and you, you need to spend that. That doesn't come from your, those committed those concrete things, that sort of other things. If you want to, you want to, you know, buy, buy a shirt or buy a pair of shoes, okay? It means no more of that sort of, un, you know, that cloud, cloudy mind of our finances. It brings so much clarity around the financial state of where we are. So committed account, a savings, and a spendable account. So our first step towards financial wisdom is make a plan. So that's, that's kind of making a plan. The next principle is a big step in the right direction. It's all about saving for tomorrow. We see this in Proverbs 21, 20. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp, gulp theirs down. Now, I don't know how much olive oil you're saving up. You may have a whole basement full of olive oil. That's fine. But really what he's talking about, what this wisdom is talking about, just, you know, it's basically saving for those things that you're going to need need later. Olive oil back then was something they, they just they needed a lot of. Their life revolved around that. They used olive oil for lots of things. So they wanted to make sure they had enough to spare. Some of you may have... You know, uh, maybe you're a prepper, right? You know, when, when they're saying, Hold, this thing goes down. Some of you, I know where house, what house to go to, right? But you may have a basement full of, you know, store, you know food you're storing, okay? Obviously, these could be for finances as well. So simply put, Americans in general aren't savers. We aren't. In fact, according to Forbes magazine, 63% of Americans don't even have enough in savings to cover a $500 emergency. worth of emergency, 63% of Americans. So why is saving hard? Why is that? For some people, there simply isn't enough money coming in. When we find ourselves in that situation, it can be easy to feel like there's no way to change it. But it's important to remember that even with our, our one talent that we talked about in week one, our one talent, God wants us to be faithful to him and to manage to the best of our abilities. So finding a way to think about increasing our income through maybe side jobs or reducing our expenses or even asking for help from family members or or, or friends. I know know that can be a little bit awkward sometimes. Those are all ways we can actively trust God and, and take control of our finances at the stage we are at. We lack the knowledge and understanding of how to save, which means we can't act wisely. 
To start, we need to admit we don't know how. If you don't know how to save or where to start, that's a good place to start. Just understanding, all right, I just, I don't know how the best way to do that. Make learning about finances a priority, even if it's not something you're drawn to. It's one of the reasons why we, we offered, we are offering this more than money workshop is to help you. And know this, we have people in our church that can help you with finances and savings and everything. So whenever you save money, you're saying, I'm thinking about the future, and I don't know what the future might hold for me. You're preparing for the unexpected things. You're putting some money in reserve for unforeseen problems or even opportunities. You are doing future you, future you, a favor by thinking about what those future needs might be. It's not, it's not lacking faith in God. It's just, it's just saving. You know, most financial decisions are always made thinking only about the short term. Most of our finances decisions are thinking about the short term. To turn us around, we've got to start asking ourselves things like, how will I feel about this decision in the next five to 10 years? How will I feel about this decision in the next five to 10 years? Not only are we not savers, but we're, we're also spenders, big spenders in, in America. Did you know that average Americans spend 103% of their annual income? Now, how can we spend 103% if only, we only have 100% because of debt? There's nothing wrong with really saving. Um, there's nothing really to save and, and nothing really to give because it all, actually more than all, goes to spending. We're spending more than we're making by going into debt. Our conventional institutions like banks do not give us that option. They, not, they do not say, sit down with us, and we're looking at getting a loan for a vehicle. They don't, don't, they don't sit back and say, all right, are you sure that's a wise decision? You know? I mean, obviously, you have the credit to do that. But, you know, is that really a wise decision? I'm not so sure about that. They, they don't do that. If they know you've got the credit... They're going to they're gonna loan you the money. Why? Because they get more money. They offer us loans and we can barely afford. So the Bible has a lot to say about the dangers of borrowing. We're, again, in Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, this doesn't mean that, that, God, that the Bible is saying you can't borrow. It's just stating a fact. Okay, the borrower is slave to the lender. Like if you, have a, if you have a mortgage, you owe the bank so much money for your house or, or car loan. God wants us to be wise on our spending. That means saving up for big purchases when we can. Borrowing only when we need to or we have to and paying off our debts as quickly as possible. When we pay off our debts, not only are we following biblical wisdom, we're also setting ourselves up for a great deal of financial freedom. There's freedom coming. And we all know this. We all know this. So the first step in in the financial wisdom, financial habit, is to make a plan. We've got to make a plan. I shared with you that a little bit ago, putting that money into three separate categories, actual, actual accounts. That's one idea. And then the second habit is to Save for tomorrow. We got to save. And then the final wisdom in, in, uh, with our finances is to give to God. We see this biblical wisdom in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. 
Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now what's a vat? A vat is basically a, a wine vat, something that's stored wine. Now I'm not sure if you have a bunch of wine vats in your house. If that's, that's the case, you might be a pretty fun guy to hang around, hang around with. I don't know. But obviously what the Bible is saying is um, this means that, that big blessings will come your way if you put God first in your finances. Big blessings will come your way when you put God first in your finances. For us today, instead of saying full barns and, and wine vats, maybe we should read it full bank accounts and, and kitchen pantries with plenty of share. So how do we act on this promise? What do we need to do? We are to honor him in a way that makes sense. And what that means is giving him our first and best in everything, including our finances. Giving him our first and our best, and that includes our finances. And that's that's with everything. That's why it's important sometimes. And, and, And you may have your time with the Lord at different parts of the day. I know some people in here get up really, really, really early for your job. So your time with the Lord might be better Later on, me personally, I, my, my best and my first is, is, you know, when I get up or maybe after the kids get to school and I can just kind of focus in on, 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 on what the Lord has to say to me, that's my first and my best. I've, um, as some of you know this, I've struggled with, with a, a Sabbath for years because I, I work, 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 and work, and work. You know, I'm working for the Lord, right? I'm working, working for you, God. But I'm called, as all of us, to, to have a Sabbath. And for me, I tried to have that Sabbath on, on Fridays, on Saturdays. Those are awful days for a pastor to have a Sabbath. Because <laughs> guess what? Everything's pushing to Sunday. So I've committed to the Lord. I've, I've been doing this for about maybe six weeks now. And I've done this in the past and got, really got away from it. But I've been hugely convicted. I'm just being honest. I've been, I've been convicted on this. And so, it's the same principle. I'm giving my first and my best, and that's Mondays. So Mondays, somebody calls the church because it comes to my phone, I don't answer it. Email, nope. I don't, I don't do work. I, I, I literally shut down my computer, give it a rest. I go Chick-fil-A, <laughs> right? I give it a rest on Mondays. And I go do other stuff. Now, I mean, I'll, I'll relax and stuff, but, but <laughs> last couple of Mondays, I've been looking at boats. But I will do th- some things, but I won't do work. I won't do church work. Now, obviously, if it's an emergency, if you've got an emergency in your, in your life, yeah, call me on a Monday. But I know if you call me, it's an emergency. But so, so it, it's kind of the same way with our, every area of our life. It's not just our finances. Giving him our first and our best, not our leftovers, not our afterthoughts, not our seconds, leftovers. God doesn't want our leftovers. He wants it fresh out of the pot. I can't stand getting something out of the fridge that's a leftover, and you open it up, and it's like, whoa, 
I mean, it just smells awful. That's just, that's just me. But inside, you know, it's really good because my wife cooked it, and it's like, oh, that's really good. Red beans and rice. Mm, that's good. Got that Cajun smell, you know, Cajun seasoning. And I know it's going to be good, but, man, when you open up that red beans and rice in, there, in the fridge, you're like, oh, wow. Let me warm this up real quick. God doesn't want that. God wants it fresh out of the pot. He wants it fresh out of the pot. Your money, he wants that fresh out of the pot. Now, you might be asking, how can giving something away be financially wise? Giving back to God reminds us that all we have is his. In fact, God is all God's to begin with. It's, it's just that simple reminder. It's all yours to begin with. And we've talked about that many times. Giving also fills us with the sense of well-being. This feeling of well-being can help us resist the pull to fill our lives with the possessions. In other words, we're like, you know what? I'm not, my value my worth is not based upon what I own or what I want. It's value, my value is in God and how I trust in him. And giving the first and the best, not the leftovers, I'm able to tell, show God, God, it all belongs to you, but I'm giving you my first, I'm giving you my best. The first. And when you do that, he gives you so much contentment, so much joy, so much alignment there's an alignment with your spirit and, 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 and God and his word and what the spirit wants to do in your life. Because the thing God wants to do in your life is tied to your money. Because there's some things you're going to want to do with your money that God wants to do that, that's involved in what his plan is. In fact, some of us could be missing out on what God wants to do because God's like, you know what? I really want you to do this, but I need you to use some of the resources, but you spent it all on this and that and other things. You've been chasing after things. So when we give them our first and our best, there's an alignment of that. So when it comes to money, it's really all about trust. How are we going to trust we're going to trust our wisdom or God's wisdom. Are we going to trust God's ability to bless you and your plans and your schemes? Or are you going to trust your abilities, your own abilities, or God's supernatural abilities? Which one? Now, the, biggest, the biggest thing we could trust God with is not just our money, but it's our heart. The biggest thing we could trust God is with our heart. I've said this time and time again. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. But he knows that your money's tied to your heart. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So your, your money's tied to your heart. I mean, he, he wants your heart. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. But he wants your heart. You know, the world doesn't really understand the concept of giving a tithe by Christians. Or maybe people who are on a pathway towards Christianity. A lot of people in the world are generous. There's a lot of people in the world. I know, I know many people who are not believers who are very generous people. Yes, very generous. They will give to specific needs, and that's great. But it's not given to the Lord. It's not a tithe. It may be lending a helping hand to someone, and that's great. We're called to do both, absolutely. But Christians are called to give a tithe to the Lord. In fact, people who follow Christ desire to give a tithe to accomplish his work. I know it doesn't make sense financially, 
But God's economy is very different from our economy. What I've learned and what the Bible says, you can't outgive God. What the Bible has, has shared with us, and you, it's, it's throughout Scripture, story after story, you can't outgive God. You can't. We have stories in our, in our Bennett family life. I could sit here all day and tell you stories of that. But you know what? You also can't outgive God with your life. Many people try to do. They do. They try to live their life by doing good things. I just want to be a good person. And that's commendable. I really, it really is. But they, they try to outgive God by being a good person. Can I tell you something? You can't outgive God because God gave his son, Jesus, who was the perfect person without sin. So no matter what you do, you can't outgive that. You can't outlive that. You can't outgive God and you can't outlive God, meaning not live in, in length of time, but how you, how you live your life, how good you are. You can't outgive God and you can't outlive God. You cannot live, outlive Jesus. And when we understand that we can't outgive God with our money or our life, we say, all right, it all belongs to you. And guess what? Not only my money, but my life. My life belongs to you. My heart belongs to you. When we get to that point to surrender we say, okay, it's all, it's, it all belongs to you. Like that old hymn. In the Baptist hymnal, hymnal, it's on page 275. I know which one it is. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. When we freely give, we receive freedom. We receive freedom. So walking in financial wisdom, walking in that, in that incredible financial wisdom, we, we learn how to make a plan, we learn how to save, and we learn how to give. Make a plan, save for the future, and give to the Lord. That is, that's, it's all over the Bible, especially in Proverbs. So I just want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to do that. I've even told people this before. Look, you want to test God? That's fine. That's great. The Bible says it. Test me. And, and, and it's the only place in Scripture where he says it. Test me. So you can. Give, you know, try, try a, a, a 90 day. Try three months. And just watch how God will do in your heart and God works around you. And I'll even say this. I'll put this out there. I've said this before too. I mean, you don't have to even get to Lake Point Church. You can give to another church. I don't know why you would, but just test it out. I mean, God's going to take care of Lake Point Church. It's not about meeting our budget. It's about uh, our, our heart. And as a pastor, your pastor, and as your shepherd, I just want your heart, my heart, all of our hearts to align with the Lord. And that, that means giving of your time through prayer, fellowship with others, and, and Bible reading, but also is giving because all of that is tied together. It's very, very spiritual. You say, Frank, I don't have enough money to give. You may think, you may think so, 
may think that. But I just want to encourage you. Just try it and see how God will use that. Just God just wants to say, look, I just want to show you how I can meet your needs in supernatural, incredible ways. You want a great story? You want a great story in your life? Give to God. Because <laughs> he, my name for God is the God of perfect timing. The God of perfect timing. And he is, even financially. So you want a good story in your life where God shows up and you're like, yes, this is awesome. God spoke in a, an incredible way. God is a big God. And you, and you can share it with your children and your grandchildren and say, look what God did. Look what God did. Well, if you don't give God that opportunity, God ain't going to do it. And the way to give him that opportunity is to give. And watch the stories come. I'm telling you. And could you do me a favor? Share it with me. I would love to celebrate that with you. I would love to celebrate that with you. But more importantly, we need to give him our life, our heart. Could we uh, bow together? Let's pray. Let's close out this service. I think I've talked enough. I've shared some, some stories today. went a little bit longer because just felt like I needed to kind of share some things this week. But as we just close our eyes, and I know there are people listening. Maybe you're listening live or you're listening later or, or watching as well, whether you're in the room or not. We need to give them our heart. That's the first thing. We need to give them our heart. And when, when we give them our heart, our giving becomes more into something that is more of, a, more of a worship, an act of worship to him. When we give without really knowing Christ and give him in our, our life, and we're just giving a charity. But God wants to do an act of worship. And so the way you could do that is give him your heart by simply saying, God, I surrender. I surrender it all to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. I'm tired of just doing all these things on my own, messing things up. Not being a good manager of things, not being a good manager of people, of finances, of resources, my body, just, you know, my time. And I, I, just, I just feel like things aren't aligned. So God, align my heart with yours. And the only way I can do that is I got to give you my heart. So right now, I give you my heart. Just say, say that, God, I give you my heart. Dear Jesus, I give you my heart. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.